Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Not So Humble Bradcast here on CKCC Radio. I am your host, Chris O'Mealy. We are recording this episode on January the 9th of 2024. It's already 2024. It seems crazy to me, but here we are. The Not So Humble Bradcast, of course, is the show where I interview you. So if you want to be interviewed, there's a forum right down in the comment section below. You just fill that out. You give me all your information and we'll get in touch and we'll conduct an interview. You tell me why I should interview you. You come on to tell your story. And my guest for this episode is here to tell his story. This is someone I've actually known and been friends with for almost 20 years. We're going to talk about independent professional wrestling and we're going to talk a little bit about music and also his job in solar construction and how COVID forced him to uproot his life. That's what he is here to talk about today. Please welcome to the Not So Humble Bradcast, my good friend, Chris Decker. How are you, buddy? Good uh, Good evening. I'm here currently in Surrey County, Virginia, which is about, oh, 40 miles from uh, Virginia Beach. And we are dealing with this. Uh, are they calling it a nor'easter up there? Or are they calling yeah, it a Yeah, they're... Well, we haven't gotten snow where we are in Pennsylvania. We did we did over the weekend, but right now we're just having a rain of biblical proportions. Oh, we have coastal flood warnings. We have flood advisories. We have tornado warnings. We have uh, strong wind uh, warnings. Uh, it's been pretty crazy. But <laughs> cats and dogs like- living t- together. Yeah. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Um, but it looks like do um, just just, you know, because I've been uh, keeping track of it because uh, strangely enough in what is going on that we'll talk about in the second half. Um, if there is too much precipitation that happens during the day, uh, my entire work gets absolutely shut down. Whew. And yeah, and I will uh, I, I will get into that at some point. But yeah, we are we are dealing with uh, quite the storm here. It's been cold. Um, Virginia does get pretty damn cold. I mean, nothing in the teens or anything like that. Um, but uh, the 20s, definitely uh, a lot in the 30s and the 40s. But by the time uh, the sun breaks, every day ends up being about 50 degrees. Wow. That's so, so, yeah. so bad. Um, you've lived no, in, like, and when, you've and lived you in think warmer of, climates before. You've been to warmer climates, I should say. <clears throat> yeah, no, no, no. Home is now in Columbia, South Carolina, and it's similar, uh, but it absolutely does get warmer down there. Like um, right now in the heart of winter, you know, again, morning, super cold. But uh, when we get going, like I said, the sun's out, um, you can walk around and I, I mean, you get acclimated. You know, you know the deal. You're in Florida. So, I mean, like. You know, it comes down to 50 degrees and you have a long sleeve shirt on. You're like, oh, my God, I would never even thought of having a long sleeve shirt on in Pennsylvania. I don't know if I ever truly got acclimated to Florida summers, though. I think I was still pretty miserable for the most part. Oh, no, no, no. Summers are still miserable. It's the acclimation towards everything else. Oh, yeah. So you and I actually met because of a little a little love, a little business called professional wrestling. 20 years, you said, gee, me, Christmas. It, it is true because it, I would have met you probably – I probably would have met you in late 05, like, because that is when... Um, that was my rookie uh, year, was 05. No, well, no, because I met, I met you when we were in college, and we both went to the right. same college. Um, but I did not go there in uh, my first semester. I, I'm going to air quote it. I had to take some time off, <laughs> which is, oh, my God, what a... But, but anyway, um, and then I got there, and my first semester would have been in 
uh, winter Oh five. And I was just catching my, you know, you know, you know, break, breaking into the college scene. And then by the second semester, that's when I would be like, Oh, John is here. John Salinas, Johnny toxic. And, uh, yes. and you were tight, tight with him because you guys were both doing world star. And, um, you know, uh, I was, I got swept up in the, the new England, um, uh, the, 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 there was like a whole thing, like the mid two thousands. It was like, what dropkick Murphy's, the new England Patriots, the Boston Red Sox, Boston breaking Red the Sox. curse. uh, even the Celtics and the Bruins were there. And then you have just, like the whole thing, like, and it just swept you. If you were any kind of anti like New York city, uh, dude. And I was like right there for it because when you live right at the corner, uh, I lived in Pike County, Pennsylvania, which is like, we, we, we refer to ourselves as we were the tri-state. So it was Sussex County, Orange County, Pike County. Yep. Uh, all Orange met. County, New York. Right. Yep. Right. Exactly. And, um, uh, but that's how I met you. Like, and I met the, the conversation was along the lines of like, who's this asshole with the, the Red Sox at? And, then we just and, and didn't uh, you say something similar like oh, who's a jerk with the Yankees hat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but everybody had a Yankees hat. So, um, <laughs> so but um, but and Salinas is a Yankees fan too. So I think that played into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John's family definitely was, and I know John yeah. since like second. But I remember grade. we met we met in college first, and then you started hanging around World Star shows. A uh, little bit, little bit, but it was more like. Um, when the ones that were closer to me, like I wouldn't go into, well, cause they were going to lack of accent and stuff like that. So uh, I wouldn't go to that, but the ones that were in, uh, the ones that were in Milford at the time, cause that's where I was still living. Right. And it was like, Oh, so I went to the one that was at Dingwood, Delaware uh, middle school. I went to the one that was at airport park in yeah. uh, Matamoros. Uh, yep. That was the first time I saw Joe uh, actually. And I didn't even, didn't even realize it. And then, we started hanging out just uh, by ourselves and we, you had a, you had your own, like this, this is a little bit of a, um, for, for those that aren't aware on the club kayfabe, uh, Crystal Millie had his own message board. Yeah, man. Now I'm really dating myself. I had a MySpace too while we're at it. What is it? No, no, no. But the, but the message board was great because at the time, uh, any kind of wrestling fan, you would go on message boards and that that's how you would do it. So I was already that. And I got to, uh, you know, we, we got to meet our, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of friends there. And then I would come down to Vernon and do, and do pay-per-views. I remember specifically the one pay-per-view we watched was like an Unforgiven 06 or 07. And it was, and it was one of them where like Cena lost the belt to Orton who lost the board, the belt to like Triple H and then Cena won it back at the end of the night. And like, there are people that are just like, Oh, that sucks. And I'm, and I was always just like, whatever, man, it's <laughs> fucking wrestling. Relax. <laughs> Well, speaking of wrestling, how did you first become a wrestling fan? Um, uh, it's a tale as old as time. Um, <laughs> uh, I think probably it was it was nothing more than my mom likes to say that she brought us to WrestleMania one, which uh, didn't make sense because I wasn't born yet. Uh, but there are pictures of us at MSG when I was a wee tot, and um, uh, I think it was just something Dad watched, and he. He had it on the background, and uh, my neurodivergency had me hyperfixate on wrestling like it was the greatest thing on the face of the earth. <laughs> so I'd go, and it was mostly WCW. Well, it was, obviously, it was WCWWF. I didn't watch any. There was I, I didn't watch ESPN for AWA because it was gone by that time because it was 1990. You know, I remember, um, like I, I there was there's just it, it, everything was good. It was great, you know, but I liked WCW better. Um, 
Because I don't know, like the international stuff that, like, like you know, the tournaments they would have, luchadors, Japanese wrestlers. The, yeah, like, well, this is even prior to Bischoff coming in. This is like when it was a lot of Masahiro Chono, when it was uh, Great Muda coming in. You know, I mean? those were my favorite guys. But yeah, Jushin Liger, like my favorite, and my favorite guy was Sting. You know, and, okay. Uh, so you, is Sting still your all time favorite? No, but he is absolutely in the. Uh, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I absolutely have contemplated going to Greensboro because where I'm staying at right now is about three hours from Greensboro. So I'm like, I could go see Sting's last match. That would be fucking crazy. That would um, be pretty cool. And it would be, it'd be pretty cool, you know. And there's a guy that I work with who he's about maybe 15 years older than me, and he was, and he lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and he he would go to all the Jim Crockett shows when he was a kid. And I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, and he's like, he's like, man, I was the biggest fan of Ric Flair over there, man. You know, and um, <laughs> well, you got to have uh, the accent, of course. Oh, this this guy's uh, born and bred uh, Tar Heel. So, um, yeah. Well, I mean, Rick uh, Rick Flair was like the prince of the Carolinas. Right. I may be, I may, I may even contemplate, um, I check my bank account. I might go to Collision on Saturday because it is in Norfolk. And, um, okay. Yeah, it's only it's only an hour. It's only well, it's not an hour, but it's like it's like thirty miles. But uh, uh, for those that have, do not live uh, in the Hampton Roads area of uh, of Virginia, this Virginia Beach area, traffic is absurd. Um, you know, it's not as bad as you know New York, New Jersey, or Philly traffic, but it's one of those deals where if you got to go somewhere, man, like. If if the only way to get there is on the highway, just anticipate everything taking forty five minutes. Sucks. Uh, That's one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. We've all been to places like that. I mean, I don't think yes. I've ever driven through Washington D.C. and not hit traffic. Oh I, I man, think it's just not possible. Yeah, D.C. is another one. Holy right, smokes! So but I, just, I haven't spent a lot of time <clears> in D.C. though. I'm going to ask you the big question because I, I love the answer to this question. But who is your all time favorite wrestler? Uh, probably at this point, it's probably Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson. Point. Okay. Yeah. I think there's no, uh, I, I think there's the steady guy who it's like, you know, who, who's your favorite. And, um, it's, it's like, I got, you know, when he retired, you know, I wept when he came back, I wept, you know, he's, he's the guy now that every single time he's on television, I watch him. And yeah. He, he's the guy you feel the emotional connection with. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys, you know, that are really really good. Uh, Dean Malenko is my go to answer for a while. Benoit was my go to answer for years, and yeah. then after he after he died, I remember I was just telling the story to my father. Um, I think that was the only time that's uh, something occurred, and then like like I had a conversation with you like on the phone, and it was like, what the hell, man? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> You know, like, I remember that distinctly because that was the last Monday Night Raw I was going to watch before I went to Europe for the summer. Oh, when you went to Nice, and I was, and I was like, man, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to get to watch one more Raw, and then I'm going to be in Europe by this point next week. And then it was like, and then that just womp, happened. Womp, womp. Yeah, it was yeah. a that was a rough week. I always loved your response about Dean Malenko, though, because you know what happens when you ask somebody who their favorite wrestler is, you get a lot of the same. Subject. I mean, of, you hear Sting a lot. Sting. Rick Flair. You hear Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, The Rock. They're uh, the you, common you get ones. a lot. And then a lot of the the guys that um, in the indies that we worked with, a lot of the old heads too. A lot of them go right to Dusty. And Dusty, Dusty's so yeah, great. You know, 
Um, in fact, there is a Easter egg somewhere on the internet of me doing my Dusty Rhodes impression while being eaten by the Cloverfield monster, but you guys can search that out yourself. That's on my personal YouTube channel, folks, if yes, you guys want to check that out. But uh, this is the, the audio okay, version of quick, this. But <laughs> very quick there. story about that. So uh, tell the um, tell what you were trying to do there. This is 2008. Yes. So uh, the Cloverfield movie had a contest that if you submitted like a, a short video or something about related to the Cloverfield monster incident, you could win a prize. And yeah. I was all gung ho about it because John Salinas and uh, Danny Pytel and that crew had won the contest that Stephen Lynch had put out to make a Halloween music video. Stephen oh, Lynch has Hall- forgotten that. Yeah, he yes. had released that Halloween song and they made a video to it. And they won the contest, so I recruited them. I'm like, we can do this a second time. They were all got like, yeah, let's do it. And I was trying to utilize uh, my strengths. And one the of the one was, thing, the one thing that you forgot to mention that cl- that video was going to be included on the extras in the Cloverfield DVD. Yes, it was. And we finished. I mean, there were thousands and thousands of entries, and we still finished in the top twenty. So I'm still did proud we? That's of awesome. That. I forgot. Yeah, that. I'm still proud of that. I think we were like twelfth. So maybe top uh, fifteen what, even. You know what killed us? You know what killed us? We didn't um we didn't like the vocals. Yes, and that was, you know, again, over oversighting and also young. Oh, oh to- total oversight. Like yeah, and uh, but and you had cool access to um a so the premise was like there was a lot of these um a lot of these videos about Cloverfield. So what ours was was like almost like a pirate radio underground news broadcast of yeah being live on the scene and then it cut to Joey image on the couch. Like he was watching that. And then he's like, this is fucking boring. Like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's turn it on. And then he turns on. Oh God. What was it? <laughs> it was a kid's. It was a, a mock it's, kids show that my buddy Frank show. was doing. Frank. That's it. We found, we Frank. found a random puppet in a classroom and I'm like, that's the show. Yep. And, and then he's like, Hoo-hoo. and then, and then there was a big caption. It was like, where were you when Cloverfield hit? And it was Joe shirtless going. Hee-hee-hee-hee. Yeah. Just laughing at the kid's show. That was, uh, he was on my mother's couch eating potato chips and getting them all over his chest. And my, my mother just walks in. He's like, Hey, how's it going? And she's like, you're going to clean up after yourself. Right. He's like, Oh, no problem, dude. I got this. You know, cause <laughs> that was, uh, that was one of our first and, uh, uh, projects. But yeah. Then- and, you I could t- pivot that. <laughs> I told to- him real quick. I, I told him just start giggling. And um, our buddy CJ was helping with the filming and he had to run out of the room because he was about to lose it laughing. And that oh made Joe God. laugh harder, which actually made the take better. So I'll, I'll give CJ a little prop there. Also, so- Joe's idea was to be credited as lazy guy number two when there yes, was no yes, lazy, guy, no number lazy guy number one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, and uh, I, I can tell you I'm amused right now, but I am currently um, – the place where I'm being lodged at has uh, some roommates, so I'm trying to not be super loud. Um, okay, but fair we enough. Pit, we, pivot, we pivot from there at same, the same time. Uh, that is right when Garden State Wrestling is happening. Yes. So we'll talk about that a little bit because that was your uh, your intro into the business officially, wasn't it? Yeah, and I had no right to be there. It was, it was, I I felt the the same way. And I think John also does in retrospect, but yes, but you guys had had at least two years doing stuff. John, I mean, John had been Johnny uh, longer. Yeah. Since, yeah. For since 2003, I was his first match at IWF. And then he went there with his family and his cousin who I had never met. And I was like, I'm going to make the moves on his cousin. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. And I think I, I think I gave her a smooch and, uh, that was me trying to work my game. And, uh, Nicole, uh, I called the absolute was like, nah, nah, son. <laughs> but it was, that's pretty funny. It is. It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, so garden state wrestling, which later became grand slam wrestling right. when it moved into Pennsylvania under, I, under mild duress, by the way, when, when they moved, when, when it was moved to Pennsylvania, it was like, should we keep the name? And we're like, and like, I mean, there's a contingent of like, yes, we should keep it. Should it stay garden state? Well, it can't be garden state. Well, what's it going to be? Oh my God. You know? Uh, yeah, and yeah. everybody's everybody's going to have the story of they came up with Grand Slam wrestling. I have that same story when it became Grand Slam. It was like, can we not make it like a pun or something? Because, I mean, you could have easily at that point called it Greater Scranton Wrestling. You know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. that was abs- that was absolutely something that I flow. I'm like, if, you, if we really wanted to, I mean, that's that's what you could just call it. And then it's no big deal. But there was an idea of like, no, let's do that. And Grand Slam was just, uh, you know, I mean, he already had the connotation with uh, with title belts and stuff like that. And it was a good, it, like, it it's definitely was like, okay. It was, it was a good name. So I, good I name. like, I like, I like that name a lot, you know, considering that there was absolute nostalgia for all of us that were there from the beginning that wanted to say Garden State because, you know, Jersey, yada, yada, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. So, yeah, but uh, I was in favor of the name change because it, it right. couldn't, it couldn't be Garden State if it's not in the Garden State. But yeah, so, uh, well, our very first show, and I remember this, was November nineteenth, two thousand and seven, the day that um, the day that the fabulous Mula died. Yes, because we gave a toast to her after the yeah. show. After the show, yeah, we were we were at Chili's, and uh, uh, Image had like the first iPhone. Like he had the first, he had yes. the very first iPhone. Um, so he was able to get news very very quick, and then it was like, oh my god, fabulous Mula died. And we're like, oh my god, it was it was you, me, John, Bobby G. Uh, probably Mike and CJ and Joe, and um, we, you know we gave a toast that it was it was something nice. It was a it was a good love time. Yes, but that was a that was a really fun show. It was mostly populated by friends and family in the crowd, but sure, it, it, sure, it worked I, for I, what I, it was. Do you want? Do you know, one of the things that I remember about that first show, and it's something that you only know if you've done uh, indie wrestling, and it is the idea of before the show, like there's a couple, there's a couple of people you could be before show starts. You could be the guy that gets there super late and it's just like, all right, I'm ready to go. You could be the guy that gets there and, you know, helps out, you know, with the ring and all that. Or you could be the, Oh my God, we forgot this. This needs to happen. And, uh, that was me on the first day. And it was putting up signs all along two Oh six, Having I remember go, that. Yes. Yes. Like having to go to a quick check and pick up some poster board and, you know, just, and I was like, Oh God, we didn't put any signs up. Nobody's going to know. And it's like <laughs> four o'clock and the show's going to be at seven. We're just like, Oh my God. So we had to go and do that. I think I just did it alone, but does, does know, any still, indie wrestling show ever go off without a hitch though? I mean, I'm sure uh, some I mean, do statistically, but like when you're in a, when you're in the um, same building, you know, there's absolutely times where it's about as close as you can get. But, you know, like all it takes is one guy being like, um, it's snowing. I can't make it. And you're like, oh, boy. yep. So, I mean, I mean yep, you can you can try your best. But, um, you know, as long as everybody understands, like, look, we're all trying our best here. You know what I mean? Like, you know, because there's a difference between the super indies and they got their, you know, their own way of uh, marketing, you know. But if you're just a small indie and you're just trying to do stuff, just like cross your fingers and hope, yeah. you know. I saw. I saw. A trying post to exist. From, yeah, I saw a post from Bob Evans today, and it was like, uh, "Way to get things done uh, if you're a smaller indie." And uh, I saw it. And I was like, "Man, 
Where were you, Bob Evans, in 2007? Actually, yeah. you're probably wrestling. <laughs> probably, yeah. But no, GSW had a had some some pretty good success, especially when it did move to Pennsylvania, and, and everybody really had a good time working the shows. I never heard anything really negative coming out of there. Uh, probably the probably the most negative was probably uh, Steve Cruz when he hurt himself. Um, sure. Oh, I'm a I'm gonna be I'm gonna be name dropping like it's grenades here. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had the Jason Gotti thing where he dropped the belt, and that sucked because I liked uh, Gotti a lot. And then afterwards, it absolutely strained it because uh, you know him and John absolutely started button heads, and it was bad. Uh, we had a Ryan Zero situation um, that happened. Uh, I can't remember much about it, and that led to Zero. Uh, working for Rich when we were up there, and that was a bummer because again, Zero was a friend of mine, and I still I still maintain sure. uh, a relationship with Zero every once in a while. Um, but I mean, other than that, it was like uh, you know, I remember uh, Pun going over the top rope in one of the Sussex shows, and uh, he just kind of gave a look like, "Whoa, these ropes ain't great." Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, but that was also the same show that AJ came out on Brad's shoulders and Kev. Uh, debuted Coach Skull for the first time, and it was the Pennsylvania State Athletic Coalition, and it was Brad, and it was Collis, and it was uh, everybody. And uh, God, like I'll never forget AJ holding the flag by his head, and then on top of Brad's shoulders. And I'm like, that's it, there's a great photo of it somewhere. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, other than other than that, I mean, some of the some of the older ones that there, I didn't really have interaction with Steve the teacher that much. He was only at the first two. We had uh, New England Randy Orton was there. Um, oh my god, I, for, I remember him. And then, um, and then the only time I ever came out to music is when uh, you introduced me and we played uh, "The Seeker" by Who. That was yes. the only time I ever come out to music. That was the. Uh, well, I asked you what you wanted to come out to. Yeah, and I was like, "What?" Uh, you know, and of course now when I'm driving, I'm like, "Oh, sure, put this song." You know what I mean? Like, um, oh, everybody goes through that. Everybody, everybody goes through that. But yeah, it was. The uh, Secret Brother Who, which uh, was picked because of American Beauty when Kevin Spacey was running. Now, not quite a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't get into that. That's for a different we, podcast. But that's that's for a diff- that's for a okay. Different pod. It was a good way to get you introduced to the business. But your big job in professional wrestling was being a referee. How did that come yeah. about? Tomfoolery and um, uh, lying. Because I, so the deal was that um, GSW did two shows for Garden, uh, did two Garden State shows. Um, uh, there were situations, you know, because in uh, indie wrestling, it is tough to, you know, get shows sometimes, especially, um, especially when you're, you know, when, when you're not loaded, you know, and you're, and you have everything And John and John, you know, was, was the money guy. You know, I remember John at the time, he had a rocking job and, um, he was like, oh, man, we're going to make this money and then we could put everything down. And it was like, okay, we're excited. And then he didn't have that job anymore. And it was like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Because we're just working at, you know, glass factories. And yeah. uh, and I you wasn't, know, you know, when, when it first started, I was still in college. I wasn't actively working. Co- exa- exactly. So, so, I mean, like it was, it was very ambitious for us to do, um, especially in our early 20s. And it was like, okay, well, I guess that was a fun run, you know. And <laughs> then um, I uh, moved on. Uh, from my uh, from that to my other passion, which is music, and I got in a band. Then around July or July, January of 2010, 
I was playing in this band called Mad Lucas, and uh, Mike Collis called me up, and he's like, hey, do you want to come down to Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, help us set up a ring? And he had tried to get me in before because we maintained friendship, you know, even right. though I met him the one time, but it was, he was still cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, Mike, that'd be great. You know, I don't really have any friends up here, you know, so that'll be like a local friend. So he's, be- he's such a good guy, Mike Collis. Mike Collis is one of my best friends. Yeah, he's a he's, great guy. He's, he's, he's a great guy. So he's like, hey, uh, come down there. And I met uh, the Valley crew. And uh, we put uh-huh. together the a ring. For this. Yeah. And we put together, it was a different crew then. Um, and we put together the ring for the show the night before. And they're like, uh, hey, do you want to be the ring announcer? And I was like, yeah, I had done that before. That's cool. I, I'm, I'm down with it. You know, it was a, it was a Sunday show of all things. Um, and uh, did it. And it was great. Oh, I'm ring announcing. Oh, how, where can I figure out the ring announcing? About uh, two weeks later, uh, Image is like, hey, I'm doing this indie in Scranton. Do you want to come? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Scranton's right there. So he went. First time I met Axel Rotten, first time I met Rock and Rebel, um, you know, rest in piss. Um, <laughs> we won't get into it on the show. Won't, won't get into that. So anyhow, uh, Joe is, um, you know, he's trying to, there was a ring announcer there already, Jen Gentry, I believe her name was. Uh, and uh, she was fine, you know, but of course I'm like, I'm going to do better, you know? So, um, <laughs> so I'm like, Joe, try to get me in, try to get me in. And of course, like backstage there's pizza. So I was like, I want to eat the pizza. That's un- that's unrelated, but that was the only time CPW had Pete's in the back because <laughs> because there's a match between Roan and Rarick, and one of the guys, one of them, either Roan or Rarick, vomited in the ring. Oh. Um, that it was disgusting. Oh. And, anyhow, so Joe, uh, I'm like Joe, if you can find out if there's a uh, spot for me um, to be a ring announcer, you know, like because I didn't know if she was like a regular or like that. He's like, okay. And he's like, hey, guess what? I got you as a ref. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like huh yeah you, you could referee and on that same show i uh met matt derline and um we had a lot of things in common and uh Another great he, guy he did chikara uh well that was right when that was that like at, that just ended he was doing um he was doing a lot of um samoan stuff and uh it was like hey can you come do this and be in there? And I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll ref, but I don't know anything. And I've paid no dues. And everybody's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I love indie like, wrestling sometimes. Cause sometimes that's exactly it. Just, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't, yeah, don't, yeah, exactly. And it was like, do you know the rules of wrestling? I'm like, yeah, pretty positive to the rules of wrestling. So I was showing a couple things that I didn't really understand. And I was giving some pointers. And next thing you know, I was, you know, refing everywhere. Or as as much as I uh, you know wanted to, you right? Know? And 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 then it gave me an escape from the band I was playing in because uh, I was just um, going creatively different with that band. And when you're in a band, you gotta be you gotta be actively like you coordinate around four or five different people. And I was like, I don't want to coordinate around four or five. I want to coordinate around me. And yeah. it made it so much. It made it so much. Yeah, I was like, wow, it was a it was such a change. So I was like, hell yeah. So. You know, the first two or three years, it was absolutely like balls to the wall. Any kind of date I can get, I wanted to get. Uh, and uh, it was uh, it was definitely fun, you know, and, uh, you know, made lots of friends. But then ultimately, uh, I, like I, I say that I did a lot of refing, but at uh, it was mostly at points like we were, it was pretty GSW centric, especially towards the end, because I had kids. Uh, in 2014, so that was only four years into be doing it. And I was like, okay, well, I gotta, you know, there was there was a lot of uh, you know a lot of strife, you know, going sure. to do that, absolutely. And um, 
you know, but, uh, you know, I stuck around local and uh, did what I could do and was there until GSW closed down because of uh, some dickhead in a flea market. But we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll another podcast for another time. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, that's the uh, yeah, well, we could always have you come back and tell tell a real like <laughs> the real shoot oh. interview. Uh, oh, 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 the real, like, who's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Who's, like, who was it? I was gonna say, who was, was it? Gonna say, it's funny because a lot, of, you get a lot of people that talk about their, their stories. I have like five stories, and a lot of them are like me drunk in a battle royal refing <laughs> to the outside. And, uh, like, it was like Matt Turner and, uh, Brad DeMeo and, yes, uh, AJ and, uh, Matt Turner gave me like four locos, and I was like fucking wasted. And I'm like on the outside and it was 3DW. So that was par for the course. So I'm in there and I'm like, there's a battle Royal going on. And some guy was in there in jeans and he pocket change fell out and it was all over the, <laughs> That's awesome. all, all, over, all over the canvas. And I'm like, Brad, Brad, I'm, Brad is like uh, against the wall, like four rows deep against the wall at the Binghamton. Um, he wasn't in the match. No, no, no. He wasn't a match at all. He was watching me. He, I think he, just, he I think he wrestled the dark, and the, or he wrestled like the opener because they wanted to uh, see what it is. You know, because that's how it is. You just, you just try yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to see what you could do. So, so they're up against the wall. They're doing it, and I'm like, Brad, there's, there's like seventy five cents in the ring. <laughs> that's your lucha payout. That's your yeah. And and I'm like, Can you check it out. And he's like, look. And there was a guy getting shit canned over and fell on my head. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, like, I don't, so, like, so my story's because of that. And then, like, in the middle of the ring, one time I went to go count a pin, and me and Mike Bailey collided uh, right before I was about to. Like, I was jumping over the one guy to make a pin, and then he was jumping over at the same time. It was just like, fuck it. it like, he gave me, like, a crossbody. I was like, fuck. Um, that speedball Mike Bailey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he that's was, awesome. Uh, yeah, he was he was wrestling under Kitsume at the time. Yeah, he's and, a he's uh, a great is... guy. I've gotten to work with a bunch of his students on uh three legacy shows and they're they're phenomenal. This was prior to his uh that poor guy had to have like a five year like he wasn't allowed in America for yeah. five years during like the he was getting like like he's hot now, but he was so hot and like Oh six or whatever it was, and then they, they had to stop coming for. I, and I don't even remember the reason, but I remember being like, "Oh, that sucks." Well, if I, I'll, I'll tell you this: if I get him on the show at some point, I promise I'll ask him that question. Be like, Chris Decker I, wants to know. I, what I assure happened? you, he will have he will have no memory of me, um, <laughs> which is which is great because one thing about wrestling is weird is that um, uh, when it comes to like. Um, names and stuff like that like uh i you know a lot of them are nice like but my anxiety kicks in huge and i'm like i just want to ref with my friends like that's it yeah yeah like everybody's like do you want to do new age outlaws i'm like no <laughs> like i want to do mike vaughn's match i want to do right right you want to you know I mean? it's and it's, it's just my personal preference like i don't want to get in there and be like like there is the one time at cpw i had to do a whole show by myself which is fine i did it um you know, but it was it was Axel versus Rocket Rebel. I remember just being like, like I they were the third match, and I had been out there since the first match, and I wasn't going to have to go back and yeah uh, find out everything going on. So I just had to call up on the fly, and I'm like, Rebel, what is going on? And he's like, Don't worry about it, brother. Watch for the watch for a clothesline, and he clotheslined me out of my boots. I was shit canned out of my shoes once, literally out of the shoes. 
Yeah, I had the ice crusher uh, with a shit can me during an angle of CPW, and my shoes flew off. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that was that was so wacky. Uh, that was the same that was the same match where I saw Head the Ice Crusher almost kill uh, Crash Van Tassel with a uh, powerbomb, which is the moment I was like, I never want to be a pro wrestler ever. Because <laughs> I saw, like, I was like, oh, look at look at Nate almost die in the ring because Head is unsafe. Uh, like, like, just not interested, don't care, I'll do it. And that's, and that's kind of when I started having a little bit of fun. You know, when I was like, when, when that internal battle of like, oh, I've always wanted to be, you know, because me and John go back to our backyard days. Joe, or John is the, the West Side gangster and me is Wedge. Antilles? More like from, um, actually, here, here's how it goes. Um, so it was, it was Wedge because at the time I was a big NASCAR fan and I used to play NASCAR 99. And Wedge was something that you could put into your car to get it controlled better. And I, I was like, Wedge sounds like Edge. <laughs> it was, I was like, that's, that's cool. And then I spelt it like, uh, like the road dog. Like it was like W E G G. Oh, that's Weg. Oh. oh, it's, it's Weg. Absolutely. But like, I don't care. Weg, you know, Weg and finisher was, finisher was Texas Cloverleaf. Okay. And the, uh, and the camp, the camel clutch, uh, Slam. Uh, one time I won the, our, our backyard fed was WWC and I won the WWC championship for Rob Stang afterwards in a shoot count. And then he stepped up and he punched me right in the eye. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. He was really mad. <laughs> and I was like, I beat you, man. And he's like, Oh, you were supposed to. And I was like, you didn't kick out. Well, that's how it should go. So that's how, Hey, listen, we were like, I went through two phases of backyarding. I went through like the, we were all on the wrestling team. So it was like, basically like it was like a shoot match. Yes. And then I know where we'd be like, now rock bottom. (laughs) 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 And that, you know, but immediately the guy wouldn't sell it. He'd get up to try to do something else. So all of our matches were always like 23, 25 minutes long. Oh, jeez. and then, and then we went through a backyarding phase where everything was bring it home, we were, brother, bring it home. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then it was like, oh, we're going to do all these cool thingies. And and then we met these backyard guys that were into weapons, and we were like, no way, I don't want to get hit with a pool noodle, you know. Lo, lo and behold, there were people that were like, that were like slicing this off. I would have been like, you're a crazy person. I'll, I'll take a I'll take a pool noodle shot and I'll sell it too. But man, uh, Colin McAvoy hit me with a pool noodle one time, and I almost quit the sport. I was like. I'm over it. <laughs> so many, fun. so many fun. worse things you could be hit with. Uh, what was the first uh, live show you ever attended? Do you remember? Uh, the, well, the first one would have been that one my mom talked about, but we, I went with the Fernwood, and um, I have the flyer, and it was the TV taping, and uh, it was cool. Like I think the main was Taker versus Yokozuna in a casket match. Oh, that's um, cool. That's a cool yeah, match Bre- to see. Yeah, Bret Hart went up to my mom and kissed her. And um, then subsequently, about eight months later, my parents got divorced. I don't think it had anything to do with it, but I'm just saying that's uh, what is it? That's jazz, you're, baby. You're holding a little bit of grudge against the hitman there. Uh, to say, uh, did I borrow your hitman book or did I buy my own? I don't think I bought my own. I might have borrowed yours. You may have. I mean, I have mine, so it's not like you still have it. But no, no, no. I definitely gave it back. But I remember that was that was the one time I was like, you know what? Reading sucks. I loved his book, man, but it's Oh it no, is, it was it was it was interesting, but it was long and I was like And detailed. Like Brett 
kudos to Brett for remembering like what he wore to the beach that day, but that was not like necessary to tell the story, in my opinion. Right. So, but you know, kudos I, to him for I, having I, a great memory because he remembers more stuff than I probably would if I tried to write right. a memoir. I'd be like, and then this guy, uh, Chris, Chris Decker, yeah, him, yeah, that's me, <laughs> that's um, him. And um, then, uh, and then, real quick before we uh, before we take our first break here, what was the last show you ever worked in wrestling? The last one, oh, oh, uh, the last one that I worked flat out was that uh, GSW reunion show that you were there for, and I was like, I want to get a picture with all of the. Um, all of the um, the head, like the people that were like the commissioners. So we got a picture oh, yeah. of you, Phil Stamper, Rebecca, and uh, Joe. And I'd be like, "Oh, what a great idea! What a what a positive outlook twenty twenty is going to be." And then, blah, 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 blah. well, yeah, February 29th, ninth, twenty twenty. And I remember you and I and Anthony Blackwell had the conversation at the commentary table. Like, so what do you think? You think this thing is going to get out of control and like? shut down independent wrestling I, oh, and, I, I and of course that. and of course we're, we're being like nah it's wrestling wrestling can survive anything and then i mean it, i mean it did you know mainstream um, but, wrestling did but you know a lot of indies didn't make it out of that oh yeah no there was definitely a lot that didn't um did not pass the test and i mean that that is what it was you know what i mean you know what i remember that, distinctly from that? that show though that, that it show? being leap day well that that uh, but also one of the first mantras we got was because we were we were doing it live. What were what were we on? Were we on fight or independent? That was probably on IWTV. IWTV. And the first mantra we got was, "Yeah, there's no real restriction as to what you can say." So one of the first things out the gate is, "You know that Phil Stamper? I think he's a scumbag." That was like the first thing you said on the air, and I just started laughing because I was like, "Okay, oh I guess the gloves are off." Because like now doing commentary for three LW, like it's family friendly. So I won't even I won't even drop hells or dams. On the air, I, right. I actually try really hard to censor that. But during that show, I just remember, I just remember, and then Stamper sat down at the table. You're like, "What is your problem?" Like as soon as he sat down, I'm like, "Okay, I'm actually having a lot." I of think fun I, with this. I, I definitely, I definitely remember doing something like that with Phil. And Phil's like the fucking coolest guy. I oh, he didn't know, care. I, he was all into it. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, he was all into it. You know, I'm, I'm me at all times. The podcast that me and Matt but, do. Yeah, that's it's, what it's, I appreciate it's, about it's, you. It's a, it's a swearing podcast. Like I'm not gonna. Uh, do it. Um, now that being said, I know when to um, I know when to mind my p's and q's. You know, so yes. if, so if it was if it was one of those shows and it was like, hey, this is a family friendly show, I wouldn't be like, you know what, that's stupid. And, you know, you just you know you, you just you just listen to people and what they want. And stuff uh, like that. I mean, it's not hard for me because of working at Disney. Like, I got very good at the at the filtering. Sure. So uh, right. So yeah, when I when I'm told, hey, don't don't swear, it's it's not an issue at all. But of course, I'm also an Italian from New Jersey. So when right. I'm told, "Hey, it's okay to swear," it's just like uh, my mm. mo- my mother comes out. <laughs> Maron. Yeah, sorry, mom. Love you, but I right. picked up a lot of that from you. All right, we're yeah, gonna take that, a we're gonna take a short break here, folks. When we come back, Chris Decker is gonna tell us all about his profession in renewable energy. Renewable energy. There we go. Solar construction. And how COVID and the pandemic got him there. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Not So Humble broadcast after this. Do you feel like your voice doesn't matter? Does it feel like our leaders aren't listening? Participating in politics shouldn't be this difficult. Future Is Now Coalition is here to fundamentally change politics and restore democracy, making it more transparent, accessible, and inclusive. To learn more about our mission and get involved with the movement, 
Find us at futureisorg on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and X, or visit our website, futureis.org. That's futureis.org. Hey, what's going on? This is Anthony from the ABJ Podcast. I'm a weekly podcast that airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. exclusively on YouTube, or you can find me on all major podcast platforms from Spotify to Apple Music to Google to, you know, pretty much everywhere. But I talk to anyone with a story. You're chasing a dream? You have a story to tell? I mean, I want to hear it. I'm uh, talking to anyone from the, from the art of professional wrestling to film to acting to content creating music and much more if you have a passion and you have a dream i want people to hear about your story so come on and join the abj podcast send me a message and we'll we'll get an episode started right away and i hope to see you in our chat over there on the youtube side make sure you hit like and subscribe welcome back everyone to the not so humble broadcast continuing our interview here with chris decker so you are currently employed in the field of solar construction, renewable energy, which is fascinating on its own, but I'm curious as to how you got there. All right. So there's a lot of things that you need to know about myself that lead to all of this. Um, when you think of myself, when, when people think of me, you know, if they, they think of me from wrestling, think of me from wrestling, think of me from music, think of me from music. Uh, friends know uh, I have a very strong work ethic and I am one of those people that very much gets a lot of pride in the work that I do when it comes to when it comes when it comes to occupation. Uh, I've always been like that. Uh, I've always worn a lot of things like that on my sleeve, um, and a lot of times I put my work before I put my for, for pleasure, for lack of a better term. And it's it was instilled in me. Uh, my dad was a union carpenter. You know, I would see the years where. Uh, the union wouldn't give him any work during the winter, you know, and uh, you had to find side jobs and stuff like that. So I've always been like that. I always, one thing I always tell people is that my two favorite letters in the alphabet are O and T. Um, Over time, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, That's so um, I, I don't, I don't know if we ever, if we ever dove into this. Um, just, uh, but I, I'll give it right now. So, um, I spent most of my life working on loading docks. I'm not an educated man. Uh, sometimes it is, it is something of massive regret for me, uh, but it didn't happen. I did college, um, did not survive, uh, went to a different college when I came up to Northeastern Pennsylvania, did not survive that. I uh, tried to do like overnight work and then work and then go to school afterwards. It just wasn't, it wasn't in the cards. It's and, not, it's uh, that not was, for everybody though. And that's, no, it's, it's, it's not for everybody. Uh, but it's, if it's something that you feel that you want to accomplish, you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with accomplishing it. And you can, and you can get into the merits of, uh, higher education, uh, debt, things like that. Uh, but we're not going to get into that right there. Um, but what I did feel is I felt this over overwhelming burden of only being involved in, uh, warehousing and logistics and transportation I did a lot of work uh, picking orders, you know, and that's, you know, near minimum wage jobs. Uh, mm -hmm. But it was if you put in the hours, you know, I mean, you could get it, uh, you know, you could you can get that bag for lack of a better term. The joke that we'd always say is uh, we got to make image money. I don't know if you remember that that phrasing was like, oh, man, we got to figure out a way to make image money because image had a really great job doing reverse logistics. Uh, I moved my way up from warehousing and I got into shipping offices and then I got into I ended up uh, learning how to route for truck drivers, and I learned all about the 
all about uh, Department of Transportation rules and regulations. Uh, assorted. Oh, yeah. I had a job doing yeah. that for a little while. You remember that? Yeah. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, and then I moved over into another job where I was uh, where I was continuing to route. Uh, but I would also go on the road and I would go up to New Hampshire and Erie and D.C. and uh, down here to Virginia. And I would go to Pittsburgh and I'd go out to Long Island and I'd go to Jersey and I'd go to Cape May. And, you know, uh, you know, I mean, the the, the entire Lehigh Valley the run of restaurants that I would uh, have to ship food to in a sprinter van. I remember know, one time you called me and you're just like, oh, really? I was like, hey, buddy, what's going on? He goes, New York City sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Because oh, yeah. that, well, that's what it was. Well, it was, well that was, what was funny is you called me out of the blue with that. I'm like, okay, context? Yeah, and I was probably just like in the Holland Tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I was like, this blows. And, and I was like, and it, I, it probably went through the fail. I was like, okay, I called my mom, called my wife, called my dad, called my sister, called my brother. You know, make my way. I'm like, well, that friend's working. That friend's working. I'm like, oh, Mealy's home. You know, <laughs> like, and knowing me um, for years prior to, you know, everybody just wanted to text. I was always a phone call guy. Like, I, and I still am to yeah. this day, um, which is why it works so well for podcasting. Anyhow, um, working for a company, food sourcing company, and COVID hit. And COVID for, uh, you know, anybody not aware, uh, COVID for, the hospitality industry uh, for restaurants uh, in the Northeast, it was like uh, it was like a pogo stick. It would just go up and down and up and down. Some would be closed, some would be open, some would be closed, some would be open, and right. it was it was it was uh, it was a crazy situation. And then it led to a lot of my drivers being uh, not having the work, and so they were um, they were furloughed, and I was furloughed, and you know I'd come back and collect unemployment. It was really really tough. And due to all of the un, uh, what's the word, uh, the inconsistency rather, of how our deliveries were getting to the place, uh, the company that I was working for went through an entire uh, 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 managerial restructuring. Now I was now I was a, um, I was an hourly employee at the time, and I um, I was one of the casualties. You know, and it, I mean, it, and it and it didn't help that you know I was working fourteen hours a day, and then my attitude wasn't great. You know, but they ended up cutting my job, giving my job to my old manager, who was taken off salary and put back on hourly. They did a whole restructuring, and there was just up and gone. I was just there, there was nothing we could do. What right. the hell am I going to do? It. I have t- I have two kids. Um, you know, Rosie was just in in school at the time. Vin Vin was. Um, I think three at the time or that's what I want. So you know, he was three. He's going to turn four. You know, my boy's a special needs kid. He's a, he's an autistic kid. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? So it just so happened that my sister-in-law moved down to Columbia, South Carolina uh, on a, on a whim with her fiance. He got a job down there and it was like, you know, I had to make a tough decision. It was like, so do I stick around here and do I do, you know, do I flounder? You know, I, I've kind of mm-hmm. reached, the point where I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't know if there's any even possible way to make any kind of money down here anymore in the warehousing idea. So I'm like, well, let me go down to, let me go down South. Maybe there, maybe there's a little bit of a difference. And I got down there and uh, it was, it was, it was awful at first. I was working at Eddie's Calzones. 
you know, like being a, a cook and a driver, I lasted there like a week and, you know, they were, they were paying be less than minimum wage. And I was like, well, what are you guys doing? I get, well, they'll give you tips when you deliver. No, they don't, you know, yeah. and then doing DoorDash and doing Uber and doing <clears throat> uh, Postmates and doing Instacart, doing all these things. And just, it's just the, especially since we were still one year into this pandemic. So, I mean, it wasn't yeah, like, yeah. how you know, and then I'm in a new city and I don't know anything. So of course, you know, you know, when you, and the somebody told me one time, um, Metroline's uh, brother-in-law, Charlie, well, I remember we had a conversation one time and he's like, he was a manager, an auto parts star. And he was like, he's like, the longer somebody is unemployed, the harder it is for somebody to gain a job because that gap is so hard to overcome. And I remember just having that be like, I can't not get a job. I got to figure something out. Like I right. need to do it. Um, it's like an unfortunate way to be motivated. Exactly. So, you know, I put my name into every single staffing company and uh, Aerotech called me and uh, Aerotech is like, uh, Hey, we see your resume, see that you have a background in logistics. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And uh, realistically logistics was not my bread and butter at the time. Uh, but logistics was a part of the transportation industry where you deal with uh, backhauls and we deal with uh, guy, guys picking up stuff and, and ordering, get yada, yada. And so um, I was like, yeah, there's, there's definitely a familiar aspect to it for me. And they're like, do you want a job working for this solar company doing logistics? And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do there? And they're like, well, they get trucks in where the, where the solar panels come from. And I'm like, Oh, oh, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm going through my head of all of my experience. And I'm like, oh, so they would come and they would get delivered and I would count it and I would do all that. And it was like an inventory job. And I'm like, yeah, I can, I can absolutely do no problem. They're like, okay, your first job's four hours away. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, but you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be there for like three weeks and then you're going to come down to Columbia and then we got a site in Columbia. Uh, that's not what happened. <laughs> um, it, was, so, it was it was a nice offer, though. Well, the best part was, um, and I'm not going to get into specifics, but the rate that they were going to hire me at was five dollars more than what I was making in Pennsylvania. Okay, so and I was like, so I was like, holy smokes! And then this idea of per diem, which I had never heard of, you know, per diem means that you're away from home and they pay you for lodging and they pay you for food. And they told me what the rate was going to be. And I was like, so wait a minute. So I can, so you will give me money for food and for lodging and this hourly, this hourly rate. And I get that. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, you realize like this per diem per week is more than what I make in two weeks up in Pennsylvania <laughs> Not to mention that you're paying me $5 more than what I was making in Pennsylvania. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, was, I was floored. I was like, there's no way that's, that, that, that's even a thing. Um, so I went and uh, you want to talk about being absolutely like you, you walk into a place going like, well, you know, you better, you better get your learning, your learning shoes on because man, there's a, there's a lot to learn. Now, granted, there wasn't a lot to learn because I had worked involving logistics and all that for so long. Um, but, but the but first I time get, I went, I get the mindset though, because what you're, you're doing is you're coming into a new place. You, you know how much is on the line here yeah. and you want new to date, do good. New yeah. industry. Yeah. And, and there's, there's so much pressure, but you so went I in with the there. right mindset for sure. 
Oh, 100%. And the first time I saw, I remember the first time I went out to California and I saw all the wind farms. I was like, whoa, look at that. I was amazed. I was blown away by it. I was like, that is so freaking cool, man. And then there was a bunch of, there was a wind farm that was in, um, that was uh, right outside Scranton. Uh, and you would see it when you're on 476. Like, um, so the fact that I'm like, wait, I can be involved in solar. That's cool. Like I'll, I'll, I'll actively be involved in that. You know what I mean? So immediately my inner Woody Guthrie is like, dude, man, you're, you're doing something that is actively trying to be better. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So let's, so let's do this. Yeah. I'm going to be far away. But, but then I thought to myself, like, well, I've been away from my, my kids and my wife for like two months standing down here. I'm like, I've been away from my, and then I would think about all the time I'd spent with overtime. And I'm like, I'm away from everybody all the time. Like, I mean, what is, what is going to be the difference here? And it was sad and there was lots of crying and there was lots of, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And all these things these say, you know, you, you, you pick up on everything and then that's when you begin to reap the benefits of what you're doing. And I was, I was picking things up very quick and I was, I'd also like, there's a, there's a certain culture behind, uh, working when it comes to answering emails and answering, uh, things that you yes. need to be good at. Yes. And, um, I was bringing in a different perspective of how I would do things and my upper management like that. And I remember I was there for two months and the guy that was my director of supply chain, he emailed me back because I had caught something, you know, you know, caught like a, Hey, this didn't come in. We were supposed to get this yada yada. And he's like, Hey, give that guy a $2 raise. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I would, I had worked go. at you. I had worked at us foods and us foods every year would give you like the daily or the, the eval. And you go through all of your, the shit that you're just fucking terrible at, you know, and that's, and yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. now nah, we're going to give you a 65 cent raise. And you're like, Hooray, you know, and, uh, and you're just like, that's great. And then this guy just immediately like, boom. And I'm like, what? I'm like, where? I'm like, am I living in a cuckoo clock? What the hell's going on here? Um, it's, it's weird, right? Because I've, some of my previous jobs, I'm not going to mention who some of them are, but one that I worked at for a, a very long time was just as the years went on, it was just more negative, more negativity, more negativity. And I wasn't doing anything different. It's just that, you know, their, the attitude was changing. So when I started working somewhere and feeling appreciated, I almost didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, that's, that's the exact same thing. When you're, when you're actually appreciated for what you're doing, they're telling you like, Hey, you're doing a really good job. And you're like, that just makes you want to do more. And the, and the best part about it is the people that I've met in this industry, which is like half the story. I mean, it's like, it, it like they all that like everybody I know has worked in like Wisconsin and Maine and doing all these things. And they all have campers and like, it's like a weird camper life. <laughs> and like, I'm live I'm living in a house right now. That's like, you know, um, you know, with other people from all these different subcontractors, stuff like that. Right, and it's right. like, I would have never thought that this would be my life. This is crazy. This is like, this is madness. Like I, I thought I was going to be, you know, the guy, you know, like uh, just literally on the docks and being like, oh, that shipment looks good, blah, blah, blah. And now like every day, you know, like like I said, it's raining right now. So with it be raining, I have to be in – I'm in charge of all of the stone that comes in, like all the stone that goes on the roads. And if it is too wet, uh, we can't deliver those stones because all the dumpsters are going to get stuck in the mud, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. Like, um, you know, dealing with millions of dollars of – uh, equipment that's getting shipped out. Um, I remember one time, 
um, I went to my project manager and I looked at him and we saw, I saw a document and it included uh, the numerical amount of this one part of the project that we were dealing with. And I went to him after he, like everybody had gone and I go, do you understand how much money this is? And he goes, it never gets weird. Or, or he goes, it never gets not strange. <laughs> like he goes, it's always, he goes, it is always strange to see that much money. And I'm like, I know, man, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just looking at this being like, what? <laughs> like, and, th- and then you think about yourself and you're like, and I'm in charge of it. Like, right. Right. Like I have a hard of time cutting my toenails. <laughs> yeah. I'm still, you know, I can't. I can't trust myself. But you want to trust yeah, me yeah, with all this yeah. money? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, well, no, that, that that's not there. It's more like I'm I'm seeing that, and I'm just like, uh, you know. But you know, being in charge of, I think the amount of uh, solar modules that came to the site is in the range of about four hundred thousand solar modules. Ooh, wow. Yeah. And then when you learn about that and you learn about electricity and how it comes in and let me tell you, the best day is crane day (laughs) when they bring in the crane and they got to bring in the giant, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, the giant, um, um, okay. You know what a substation is? Yes. Okay. But you know, the big GSU that, that comes in and you go like, how do they bring that there? How does that work? It's called a crane and it comes on a flatbed. And if they make a wrong turn, it's going to fall over. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, so like, like, and I've watched cranes come in and just build, you know, control houses way up in the air. And I'm like, look at that. That's way up high in the air, you know, (laughs) and just, um, you know, there's, it's something, it's, it's just really like, and I never thought I'd be a hard hat guy, you know what I mean? But like, I'm the only guy that walks around with like a Bob's burger, you know, uh, yes. sticker on my hard hat. You know, I have, I think I have like, I think I have a sticker of, uh, Gene sitting on the toilet putting, uh, hot sauce on a taco, you know, and everybody else has like, <laughs> and everybody else has like these hard hat stickers and it's like the Punisher with the blue line. And it's like, bah, bah, bah. and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, y'all are a bunch of fucking geeks. You know what I mean? Like, don't take and it. And then th- there's Gene. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I got, and I got, and I got gritty on it, you know? Um, of course you have to. Yeah. So, and gotta then represent. there's also got to represent anyway, but, um, the idea of doing this and being like, I'm involved now in something and, and it only got better when, um, in 2022 when the inflation act was signed. So everybody, you know, that has whatever they want to say about the, about the inflation act, the inflation act basically, um, gave money, uh, to the renewable energy field. So ever since then, things have been, you know, like just blowing up. Like there's, there's so many, there's so many projects that, you know, they're doing, there's, there's a project out in San Antonio that I'm, that I'm might be involved in. There's several projects up near Erie, Pennsylvania that I might be involved in. Uh, there's, there's, uh, uh, there's, there's, uh, projects, you know, in, I was almost involved in a project in, uh, literally rural New Mexico. Um, and just, and just the, the money that they're paying. It's like, it's, it's, which is, un, which it's is crazy too. And you, you have family out in Arizona. So you, I did. My you, my mom my my mom now lives in Virginia. Okay. Um, and I've I've even talked to you, and I've been like, O'Malley, if I could ever build out a team, and there's anything going on, you know what I mean? I'm like, hey, come out with me because this is it's a it's a wonderful place to start fresh. You know what I mean? Just I, because, I would certainly consider it. it yeah, certainly, like I, certainly I, consider it. I I remember when that then that was uh when that was a possibility, um, and uh, I was 
I was, I was about ready to book my plane ticket and the company I'm working for right now called me that week. And they were like, Hey, we got this. And what it came down to is it was just like, okay, I'm going to be closer to home. Uh, the money was equivalent. Sure. Um, and it was, and I was working with people that I knew. So I was like, okay, so that's not too bad. Um, but just, you know, waking up every day and be able to go out and you could see, you know, you see a site that goes from just civil work getting done, you know, and it, it's got to the point where you, you work with so many people and you get so ingrained with everything going on. And you're like, how could I become a civil engineer? You know what I mean? You start thinking yeah, about yeah. that. How could I, how can I become a, a project manager? Oh, I have to get this certification, you know? Oh, you know, what are these OSHA um, certifications that I can get? You know, oh, I can teach, OSHA. <laughs> I can, you know, like I've yeah. gotten to the point where I'm like, I would like to learn how to teach safety to people. You know, if ever, if ever supply chain is not my bag anymore, I, you know, get your OSHA 510 and, um, or it's 590. I think it might, it might be 590. Anyway, but that, that allows you to teach, safety and you yeah. can get a job anywhere where safe. And like I said, this is my, you know, I, I, I talk about my job a lot cause I have a lot of pride in everything that I do. I'm like, you know what, this is awesome. Like today, you know, I, I sat in front of a spreadsheet and I just, uh, punched numbers. And then by the end I sent it out to who I need to send it out. And the overwhelming amount of pride that I have, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it, I, I feel just very good about it. And you that's know, good, that does, that's what you should feel right now. That doesn't mean that the, there, there are, you know, there are sad moments and the sad moments is being away from your family. Sure. And that's what it comes down to, you know? And so that's when, you know, idle hands are devil's playground. That's why I bought myself a $600 digital piano. So I could learn to play. <laughs> Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I want to, yeah. I want to figure out how to, how to do something and keep my, my mind going. And that's when I've thought to myself, I'm like, Oh, maybe, I, maybe I should do uh, some more pods, you know what I mean? Like, and that's why, that's why I responded. I'm like, yeah, I'll talk to Emily about, you know, life love life love and pursuit of happiness yeah pursuit of happiness exactly but that's but what you kind of hit on is really fascinating too because i remember um working you know in the, the the warehouse industry myself working in the trucking industry myself and like all this stuff was presenting itself that i would have never ever thought possible and honestly right. even in the hospitality industry i've had opportunities like that like i never would have become the project manager at the hotel I work at now, if I hadn't, you know, kind of opened myself up to that possibility and getting out of my own comfort zone of always being the front desk guy, because that's what I always knew. Right, and exactly. Always, and I, it took that responsibility. So like, so I'm, also, I'm with always, you on always that bet too. on your, always bet on yourself, man. Yeah. You and, know what I mean? Like, 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 don't, don't ever sell yourself short, you know, do things to make yourself more presentable. Uh, I'll tell a story real quick. Uh, I don't know how much more time we have here, but I know my phone will die probably very shortly. <laughs> we got um, time. I, 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 oh, I said that and I, my 10% came up and I'm like, oh, well, no. Um, I just had a conversation with my project manager uh, the other day. And he's like, Chris, you know, we're talking about doing all these things, you know, in 2024. You know, I'm going to a solar summit next week in Durham. We're going to be staying basically at Duke University. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome. Duke University. That's yeah, fucking cool. Yeah, it's really cool, man. Like I got to stay I got to stay at this hotel in Asheville, North Carolina, and it was where like F. Scott Fitzgerald stayed. Oh. You know, like uh, like and it, I'm just like, man, I would I, like I'm just some geek from Milford, you know what I mean? Like like and yeah, I have lots of regrets about not going to college um or not finishing college rather, but like you know, uh there's a there's a there's a fun game that everybody plays about the experience you know you need 
when it comes to getting a job out of college and stuff like that. And I remember feeling that very strongly, you know, uh, but ultimately it's like, you have to eat shit for a long time, man. You know, it does, it does not come quick. Nothing. No, comes it doesn't. Quick. And I, I've learned that myself too, but, right. but what I'm, what I'm kind of hoping people hear your story is that they'll realize that a, it's okay to start over. There's, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Um, bet on yourself. I think that's a, that's a perfect line that I think a lot of people should take away from this because I, I think I know too many people who don't do that and yeah. don't take that risk. And it's you just got to, like like Joe Dirt says, you got to keep on keeping on, man. Exactly. Life's garden, dig it. <laughs> like, but you also, just gotta... and also, and I, I don't think enough people say this, it's okay to fail. Learn from your mistakes and try again. It's 100% okay to fail. And, but, uh, like, and it sucks to fail, but you'll never, um, again, you'll never learn, you know, unless you do. And I mean, I think a lot of people understand that. I think what it comes down to is when it is the dusting yourself back off after you fail, because it is easy when things are down to stay down. It is so easy, you know, and you know, we've all done it. I've done it. I'm sure you've done it. Absolutely. Um, you know what I mean? Something happens and you're like, you know, the day I I got now. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it just, it happens. It's okay. And just, yes, you know, it's like, um, you got to wake up every morning fresh, you know, as, as hard as that is, you got to wake up, put on a little makeup. Yeah. That's what you got to (laughs) do. So, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to tell her about, you know, like, for sure. I, I absolutely was like, I was locked into working at this food place for so long. I was like, I'm going to do this. And I talked to all these people and then just life happens, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, could I have been more pleasant? Of course. But I mean, COVID was so tumultuous for everybody and everybody reacted to it differently. And then you get into the political conversation about that, which we're not going to get into, but the way people, you know, I mean, (laughs) like if, if, if COVID brought anything that's great, it is that it is easier now to get a job, uh, and go hybrid. And I think that's a huge, uh, help, you know, um, especially for people, for, especially for people that, uh, can work from home, you know, and if you can do it, it it helps families. It helps out those who are disabled. Like, Oh yeah. there's, There's so much opportunity there. But yeah, I mean, like I said, if, if it, anything else from, from your story, like take that bit of inspiration. And I hope, I genuinely hope people do. Uh, we're going to take our final break here, folks. When we come back, we're going to dip into the listener mailbag and ask Chris Decker your questions. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. When you're done with this wonderful podcast, I have a few others I think you should check out. This time with me. Hi, my name is Jeff Trollowitz. Are you a fan of the paranormal? I am. In fact, I am a paranormal investigator. On my bi-weekly show, Real Paranormal Talk, I'll talk about some of my favorite haunted locations. Sometimes I talk aliens, sometimes I talk cryptids, and sometimes I'll even bring you along on an investigation. Not a fan of the paranormal? That's okay. What about music? When was the last time you sat down and listened to an entire album from start to finish? On Ranking Tracks, I do that and more. I'll give you my thoughts on each song and rank them in my personal opinion from worst to best. And once a month on Reviews by Jeff, I'll give you a mostly spoiler-free review of a movie. Sometimes a new movie out in theaters, others on the classic movie I recently watched. All this and more right here on CKCC Radio. 
everybody, this is Dan Peck, letting you know that you can join myself, Chris, and other members of the CKCC community on Twitch each and every week. From video game playthroughs, interactive quizzes and trivia, or just hanging out, there's always something happening on Twitch. So go to twitch.tv slash online to join the fun, and make sure you subscribe so you never miss out. All right, Not So Humble Bradcast. Recording on January 9th, as we said, my guest Chris Decker told some really cool stories here, and now we're going to ask him your questions. Let's dive into the mailbag. Our first question comes from Matt Hardman, host of the Race Nerd Podcast, and he wants to know, in your mind, what does it take to be a good wrestling referee? Uh, Know the rules, and um, uh, know the rules, wear long pants, tuck your shirt in. Um, black shoes. Uh, one could argue uh, about being animated in there. Um, I always took uh, I always took my reference of being a referee to uh, mixed martial arts referees. You know, Herb Dean, Mario Yamasaki, how they would do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where if there's something going on, they'd be like, "Hey, what's going on?" But uh, um, you know, it was uh, you know having a, having a gimmick. You know what I mean? Like. Um, you know that's that, that was that was never my never my bag. Uh, just um, yeah, don't don't just stand there. You know what I mean. Get in there. You know if you if you were a boxing referee, you'd be in there seeing everything going on. You know, give the guys their space, and uh, you know just uh, follow the rules. Don't uh, you know? Don't let everything. Uh, you know, don't try to make everything uh, revolve around you. And that's just uh, that's just my personal opinion. You right. know, but. The biggest, the biggest thing is absolutely look the part. Yes. Do you have any favorite referees? Uh, it, it wasn't like you're going to be a referee now. Find a now find a mentor. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I thought I was. I enjoyed everything Nick Patrick ever did. You know. Okay. Um, and uh, you know that's about it. But I wouldn't say Nick Patrick is my favorite because I don't think I have a favorite because um, I don't know. Like uh, okay. you know what? That's my, my favorites. So my favorites were those guys that uh, you know uh, John McCarthy, uh, Herb Dean. That's that's where I would go when it comes to gotcha uh, to refs. You know what I mean? Like the guys that I would want to be like Mills Lane. <laughs> Mills Lane. There you go. I was always a Tommy Young and Joey Morella guy. Uh, Joey Morella was too. I was too young for Joey Morella and uh, Tommy Young. I think he had just retired when I was doing that. But I mean, yeah. But I, all the but retro again, stuff I've watched though, like they're yeah. the best. Yeah, they're great. And, I, and anything um, I've ever seen Brian Hildebrand do was really good, too. And I like Mike Kyoto. I think, always thought Kyoto was a good ref. I was going to say, uh, maybe Little Nate, Charles Robinson. Yeah, Charles Actually, Robinson. Charles, Charles Robinson probably is my favorite like uh, pro wrestling ref. Because um, he's, he's you know, so but good I mean, at his job, but he also has a niche to him. Like, Yeah, no, him, him. Be, him being Little Nate is, is a fun little thing. So. Absolutely. All right, next question comes from Dan Peck. Of all the matches you've refereed, which one would be the high-profile one if it happened today? Uh, the the of the guys that I like, the most of the names that do stuff now was when I was doing Interspecies, uh, and it was probably all the stuff at Two that I did. And um, you know, they were doing the bad boy stuff against the Glad Boys. Uh, uh, you know, probably, uh, it, probably right now it, it, it was, uh, uh, there's an interspecies match. It was Deppin, Jigsaw, uh, Pinky Sanchez, and, um, a guy called the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, or um, the highest profile match I probably ever did was Swerve against uh, Drew Gulak. Swerve Strickland. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and that happened at a um, that happened at a um, what's it called? Um, not three D W. Excite Excite show. Excite. Okay. All right, next question. Uh, two questions here, actually. This is from Adrian of Vernon, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Your favorite and least favorite things about living in PA? Uh, weather, worst. Best, food. Uh, uh, food, <laughs> tie, food tied with sports. Okay, because yeah, because you're a, you're a Philly sports fan. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Philly sports fan, yeah. Right. And then worst would be the weather, because you're not really a snow guy. Yeah, I just, I've, I've had, I've uh, I, you know what killed it for me was the when I was doing all those dri- when I did all that driving. And oh, that'll do it. Speci- specifically, I remember going down to Philly one day, and it was you know driving in from Pitts, and I had to go all the way down, and I had to take you know, thirty three. And it, I mean that I, now I'm just talking, but man, just driving slow and being like, well, I really guess PF Chang needed their pork butts. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that would be me just like ang- being angry at the cargo. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Adrian, second question. Are you introducing your kids to wrestling either as a sport they can participate in or the entertainment involved with professional wrestling? Yeah. I, yeah. Rosie's watching me plenty of times. And um, Vin watches it with, with me more now. And he had a – we got off Facebook Marketplace like a ring. Uh, but uh, Vin's giant uh, hyper fixation is kaiju. And um, so the Godzilla King of Monsters thing, he, that's like, he's got about 14 different Godzillas. Oh, that's awesome. Do they get oh, in the ring? They, they get in the ring. Yeah. Ah, Godzilla, he, he now, Godzilla now, Royal now, Rumble? Oh, we do this thing. What's called King Kong hug. <clears throat> We're like King Kong hug. And he comes in and he gives a hug and he goes, thank you, King Kong dad. <laughs> that's awesome. It is very awesome. That's awesome. I love your kids. You know that. Yeah. Uh, question from Jeff T. What is one match you wish you could have experienced live? Oh, 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 oh! One match I wish I could have experienced live. I, I that that question is always like, what concert do you wish you could have seen live? Which is always which is always the same. It's always uh, the Who and the Clash at um at Shea. Um, one I could have seen live. Um, would have well, liked to have been. Would have liked to say, have been. What's at your all- favorite match of all time? Would that be a consideration? Uh, uh, yeah, actually, that's actually probably a really good uh, answer for that. So my answer would be uh, Octagon E El, uh, El Hijo de Santo against um, the uh, Los Gringos Locos uh, hair mask. Hair. Hair I, I from, love that answer, too, Fly. because it's kind of like when I used to ask you your favorite wrestler and Dean Malenko was the go-to. Yeah. Like, that's not a match that anybody ever talks about as their favorite. You, you hear all oh the usual God. suspects. Steamboat yep. Steamboat and Flair. Again, excellent yep. match. Savage and Steamboat or, you know, Flair and Sting. Like, those are the ones that always come up. Or Brett and Austin. But then I, I, I yeah. always love that answer because I've, I've watched that match specifically because it was your favorite match. Yeah, it's 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 so fun, and it's. I remember the first time I saw it, and it was, for, it was. It's the only time I really like watched Art Bar because there's. It's not. I mean, you could go out of your way and watch Art Bar, uh, but that's the match to go out of your way yes. and see. Uh, maybe that. Maybe uh, Kobashi and Joe uh, uh, from Ring of Ring of Honor. That's that would have been a great one to see. Uh, Kobashi when he came back from cancer 
uh, him mm. and um, it was him and part of that too. Yeah, it was him and Junakiyama against um, oh uh, Takiyama and uh, I want to say Masala, uh, but I could be wrong. Um, it might even been like um, I might even got those guys uh, confused, mixed up. Yeah, uh, what would have liked to have been at all in this year? That been really cool. Contemplated going to UK, um, uh, just um, from the uh, uh, from the aspect just of the hype uh, of it, right, right. Well, yes, uh, SummerSlam, SummerSlam '92 is definitely one of those shows that I would watch all the time because of that. Because there was there was absolutely something that people would, when people would talk about Wembley, you know, it's like whoa, you know, that's that's right. freaking cool. So here and they'd go back, and it's like awesome. Now this year when Nigel Gittis takes on Brian Danielson in both of their retirement matches, which is going to happen because if you follow any kind of uh, uh, stuff in AEW where Nigel McGinnis just buries Brian Danielson every <laughs> every facet, and it's like this is this is not done. <laughs> this is not done without purpose. I might like, I might have to go with you because yeah. you know I love well, both those guys. So when when I remember when they announced it, it was like. Um, uh, that that's where I had the idea because Nigel said he's like, oh, this might be somewhere I have to put the boots back on. I was like, Nigel, don't you say anything that's going to get my hopes up. That's not nice. And one of the other one of my other favorite matches, which would have been a good, was the unified uh, pure title and uh, Ring of Honor title, Nigel and um, Danielson, where you get the good graphic of Danielson doing those hammer and out those hammer. And, you know the 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 twelve to six elbows. Yeah, down, and it's it's probably the best visual of it. And God bless all the other guys to do it. You know, it's <laughs> it's 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 not that, and it's not Danielson doing it. You know what I mean? And um, right. Um, I mean, Christ, one of the songs I wrote years ago, um, I called it "Best in the World," but I wrote this song like two thousand eight. You know, and it was because I was a Ring of Honor fan. You know, the song is about ex girlfriend. You know, but the the I there was a line in it where I say best of the world and I was like ah Brian Danielson you know there you go. and then punk and then punk ruined it <laughs> how dare he how uh, well dare he. speaking of music uh, next question this is from Jason Shin of the J Bunnies Music Hub podcast oh cool what are your favorite bands and musicians uh easy uh yeah so uh, the Slackers Victor Ruggiero um Bruce Springsteen Bob Dylan Randy Newman Ray Charles um oh gotta go on forever um you know there's there's so many good uh rakim wu-tang very diverse uh, set of artists uh, there. Yeah, yeah yeah well oh yeah oh yeah because uh irish music uh the uh dubliners um i mean i i pretty mostly um extensively the dubliners um but i mean there's there's so much uh irish folk that is done by uh smaller artists um uh luke kelly he's a um he was the, the lead singer of it, but he did a lot of uh, that. I love Paul Simon. Um, a lot of a lot of the singer songwriter guys, but Springsteen, Dylan, Randy Newman, uh, the Slackers. Um, those are probably uh, my top. Like I said, I like Ray Charles a lot. Um, oh God, I mean, uh, I mean, you can get into it. Uh, you know, Beatles, but also uh, love. Um, you know, I like. I bought the. Um, I bought my nephew for. For Christmas, it was like punk rock starter kit, and it was like Misfits Greatest Hits, Generator by Bad Religion. Um, That's awesome. Uh, what was the, what was the, what was the third one? Um, uh, the 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 debut Dead Kennedys. You know, Milo goes to college, um, stuff like that, and uh, lo- very large Scott fan, obviously. 
Um, and uh, yeah, you really can't get go wrong with like the English beat madness uh, specials, obviously. Uh, bad manners. Saw bad manners for the first time. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, so just uh, a lot of that westbound train. I can go on. All right. So <clears throat> let's we'll stop so I don't continue to ramble. <laughs> Um, one more question from Jason Shin. How do you prefer to consume your media? Do you like streaming downloads or physical media? Oh, that's really interesting. Um, streaming, uh, downloads is probably the least at this point. Um, uh, probably 90% of it is streaming, um, just cause it's there. Uh, physical, a lot like, um, I mean, the only physical I would do is vinyl now, which uh, I do collect vinyl. And I, I was a much bigger vinyl collector for a while, but I, uh, you know, um, much like the, the, the talk of this podcast, sometimes when you got to make ends meet, you got to make ends meet. So I sold a lot of vinyl. I probably sold like 200 to 300 LPs and, um, uh, Brad, Brad DeMeo and, uh, Metrolink could attest because they were at those flea markets that I was selling those LPs. <laughs> I, I one time I, I one time was able to sell 200 LPs in a day, and I was able to get an air conditioner. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember uh, coming to your house when you still lived in Nanticoke, and uh, yeah. just seeing that giant <clears throat> shelf of vinyls that you had, and I'm yeah. and I'm like, how much money is on this shelf? And your answer was, I'd probably be depressed if I knew that. So <laughs> we're just gonna say a lot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the good news is I did not pay for most of it. that. Was all of my uh, uncle's collection. He moved down to Daytona <laughs> Beach, and uh, if you've ever dragged vinyl anywhere, you know uh, shit's heavy. So he's yes. like, so he's like, so he's like, I don't want to travel with an extra six hundred pounds of anything. <laughs> so, so here you go. Yep, here you go. <clears throat> uh, Dan Peck asked another question here. Would you share some notable stories of times you were ref bumped? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll tell you, my favorite ref bump is the uh, my. Uh, so there's not really stories about being ref bumped. I'll tell one about the one t- the one time I thought I might have been concussed is when uh, uh, me and Mark Hart, Mark Maverick, were doing a tug of war spot because he had, we were it was um, HCW and Hazelton, and we were doing a tug of war spot uh, with the one big uh, we called it the pumpkin belt because uh, it was painted orange. Um, so we're doing this, you know, you know, give it to me. No, 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 give it to me. You know, I, I said, give it to me. And Mark Hart's like, uh, all right, I'll give it to you. And then he hits me with that, uh, with the plate. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and so I dropped it. And I was like, hey, this is not fun. <laughs> so that was uh, that. But uh, my favorite, um, anytime it was like, ref get bumped. What's the, uh, what's the, um, what's the spot? I always suggested this spot because I always thought this is the most uh, um, feasible. But then I'll tell you what my all-time favorite ref bump is. So my favorite that I always take is the uh, go to whip somebody out of the corner. That person reverses it, and then the referee gets in the position where they were in the corner, and then there's another reverse, and they get thrown in, and the, the, the referee and the wrestler collide. That was my that was my. Uh, that was my go-to because I think it's easy. A, a lot of a lot of ref bumps are really convoluted; and they don't have to be. Uh, yeah, that is this. a pretty easy one, and it it, it 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 flows too. It's part of the match. Exactly, exactly. So, um, and then um, what the hell was I going to say? Um, Your all-time favorite ref bump. My all-time favorite. Oh God, me and Matt were reviewing. Uh, we were doing a shows from a hat show, and it was like a clash of the champions, and it was like Barry Windham and. Yeah, uh, like for lack of a better term, I'm, I'm going to say it was Barry Windham and Arn Anderson. 
Um, and Barry Windham went to go give the superplex that he did. Uh, and he superplexed Arn Anderson right onto the ref. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I was like, that's awesome. And, and so, you're going to do that now, right? Uh, I think Matt did end up doing it to a smaller extent, not taking a full <laughs> that, but we saw that and he was like dibs. And I was like, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You can have that one. I'm, co- I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Right. Uh, two questions submitted from up and coming motivational speaker. That's how he signed it. Okay. What is a song or songs that makes you feel like you can take on the world? Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Oh, good one. Okay. That's a um that's a that that's my as I put it, my um my job interview song. Okay. That's, so that, you, that's you listen you, to that before you go in for an interview. Yeah, yeah, I def, I definitely <laughs> have done that multiple times, you know, and just uh you know, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. You know, uh, nice. great, a great, a, a great, uh, a great pump you up kind of tune. Yes. Uh, and the second question is, where's your favorite place to go on vacation? Oh man. Favorite place to go on vacation. I would say it's probably a place I haven't been to yet. Uh, oh, you know what? Probably Las Vegas. Vegas is so fun. Vegas is and, fun. Uh, I've been there. Yeah. And I've never, I've, I've, I've been <clears> there <throat> when I was a, um, when me and my wife were just me and my wife, we were just dating. I uh, haven't been there with kids. Don't recommend it with kids, but, um, um, oh, but also I'm going on a Disney cruise in about a, a month and that is also fantastic. There you go. All right. Yeah, I was, I, we, we had gone once before and it was exquisite. Okay. Our final question in the mailbag. This was actually signed by your darling wife, Ange. Yeah. My darling wife. <laughs> yes. What does it feel like to take all my good jokes and claim them as your own? Uh, wonderful. I love, <laughs> I, lo- I love taking your jokes. Th- this joke, this is specifically, um, <clears throat> this came from a inside joke where one time we were watching um, the Weather Channel and uh, and they showed International Falls, Minnesota, about how cold it was. And then she goes, oh, that's like, uh, uh, she's like, that's like Pitbull, you know, International Lover, like International Falls. And I was like, huh. And then I told that joke later at a party. And she's like, what the fuck? You just took my joke. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it killed. It killed. So. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it was, good. it was a good time. I take her jokes all the time. She's the funny one. Well, you have been a, you have been a wonderful guest, Chris Decker. And uh, would you like to make any plugs here at the end of the show? If you want to follow me, um, check out my uh, – I have two TikToks. One is just Chris Decker IRL, which is kind of just me being a goofball. And Chris Decker 570, uh, both of them all one word. Uh, it's all music stuff that I do. Uh, and myself and Matt Jorline have a podcast called the Chicken Salad Podcast. Um, it is a wrestling draft show where we uh, where we do reverse drafts uh, and give people uh, their card, and they have to come up with a card uh, based on it. It is a it is basically an evolved version of the A show that we used to do, where it was we would have a, a parameter that we'd have to meet. Uh, this time it's just, we're like, you know what, let's just be wacky. And, um, <laughs> so we're doing that. We do it, uh, we do it when we want. Right. Uh, so you can find me on there. If you really want to follow me on Twitter, it's, uh, uh, H <laughs> but, but I'm not going to spell it. Just look up you, Tim Curry's, Tim Curry's role from Congo. Yeah. You, you've, you also change your Twitter handle quite often. So very, very true. Uh, there are times for- when I have to go into your your like feed of tweets to figure out who the hell this person is. And I'm like, Oh, it's just Decker. He just changed it again. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the that, that's what I like. It so, sounds like uh, sounds like you. <laughs> yep. So, well, thanks, Amelia, for having me on. This oh, thank you. Day. This was a this was a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on here, uh, folks. If you want to be a guest on the Not So Humble Bradcast, there is a form you can fill out right there in the comment section. Tell me who you are, how to get in touch with you, what kind of story you want to tell. We'll get in touch and we'll talk. I currently have a lot of interviews lined up. A lot of people filled out the form, way more than I was expecting. So I'm very excited about this. So I will, uh, I'll try to be in touch with, with people as soon as I can. Check out all the great shows on CKCC Radio. Check us out on YouTube at CKCC Video and on Twitch at CKCC Online. And thank you guys for all of your wonderful support. The Not So Humble Bradcast will be back with another guest and another episode as soon as we can. Take care, everybody. Be good to one another. <laughs>